The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to another another episode of the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. I'm really, really excited about the show today. We're going to talk about visibility marketing, the no-holds-barred truth about what it takes to grab attention, build your brand, and win new business. But before I introduce my guest, uh, David Averin, I'd like to say a big thank you to last week's guest, Andy Malinsky. I love talking with Andy about his book, Reach, and his take on overcoming obstacles and barriers, which we had a really interesting conversation. We had clear parallels with my book, The Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not. It was a great conversation. So if you've got any obstacles that you're struggling to overcome right now, I'd recommend listening to that recording and obtaining a copy of Andy's book, Reach. Now, one lesson I had this week, which I think leads nicely into today's conversation, was when you're looking to grow your business, are you really taking the time to connect with the people who already know you and trust you in your network? Yesterday, I had a wonderful catch-up with a, a HR director of a big firm who I'd worked with 10 years ago. And we had so much catching up to do, and you know, it was instantly clear the trust was there. You know, we've, we've, and we were looking um, soon to how we could help each other. It also became very clear she started um, feeding back um, the USPs of my business around you know, this radio show that I've run for five and a half years, my published book, um, the fact I'm still operating in the leadership space after 10 years. And, and I realized you know, how important these USPs are. And I'm sure we're going to talk about some of these things today. But my guest today um, is uh, David Averin. He's uh, going to be a wonderful guest. Um, I've seen him um, speak uh, on a couple of occasions now. And uh, I tell you, he's you know, full of entertainment and, and humor, but also uh, some really fabulous, inspiring content. And he'd say today that the landscape is littered with the corpses of great products and strong companies that died because of bad marketing. Why do so many fail so miserably at differentiating themselves? And you know, according to David, why do high-priced ad agencies and marketing firms just keep spitting out stupid campaigns? Uh, my guest today is someone who really does walk the talk. Um, and I was thinking about him as I was actually explaining to academics um, this week why they need to build their ability to uh, engage and not just um, talk about content. He's one of the most in-demand business marketing branding keynote speakers in the world. Uh, David uh, Averin, CSP, is known as the Visibility Coach, and he um, speaks to um, with his and shares his hard hit messages to business audiences across North America and actually right around the world. In fact, he's about to come over to the UK in the next week. He's author of the celebrated It's Not Who You Know, It's Who, it's who Knows You. 
and his latest book, uh, Visibility Marketing, which was printed by uh, Career Press. So let's talk about uncovering your true competitive advantage. Uh, let's hear, hear the wisdom of uh, no holds barred uh, visibility marketing. A huge welcome to David Averin. Chris, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, David, you, you live over in Colorado. Is that, that right? I, I do. I was going to say good morning, but it's it's morning somewhere. And I know as people are listening to the Business Elevation Show, they're all around the world. So whether it's morning or afternoon, uh, it, it's, a, it's great to be here. And it looks such a beautiful part of the world to live. Uh, you are very lucky. It must be very inspiring to live in Colorado. It's a great place to be. Uh, we, we joke that we have four real seasons. So we actually have a spring and a summer and a winter and a fall. But for me, because I travel pretty extensively, it's it's a nice nice place to come home to for one. And uh, it's, a, it's a major transportation hub. So it's easy for me to fly around the world. And as you said, I leave on Sunday morning for, for the UK to come speak for a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that as well. And tell us a bit about your childhood. Were you, were you brought up in Colorado or somewhere else in America? Uh, yeah, well, here in America, uh, of course, but I, I was actually born in Los Angeles. My parents met and, and got married in, in, in Los Angeles, but I grew up in the Denver area. And uh, my father was in, in aerospace, so he was actually a rocket scientist. My father invented the first cameras that ever took pictures on the surface of another planet. So really? this, this amazing scientific background, and I joke that I say, well, it, clearly it skipped a generation because I because <laughs> I'm not that guy. But you know, he uh, I, I'm much more on the creative side. He was very scientific, but you no, know, I grew up. I'm I'm the second oldest of six kids, and uh, all nicely successful. But I was sort of more of the the dramatic one, I think, which has led me so much into the career that I have now. I went to uh, to college, or as you say in the UK, went to university. Uh, on a full scholarship to do theater and acting. So I, I sang and I acted and I performed on stage. And and about, you know, towards the end, I sort of realized I actually need to get a job someday and support a wife and kids and and switched it to broadcast journalism because because I got a voice that sounds like I'm talking on the radio. You know, everybody always said you should go into radio. And so it was a natural transition into journalism and and storytelling and writing those things. And that transitioned into marketing. And so I owned a marketing firm, uh, public relations, and uh, did a lot of these campaigns, worked with some major national brands, a lot of marketing and public relations, and then slowly started being asked to teach. I teach a summer class at Denver University. I was asked to speak for organizations. Uh, I spent some years as public relations director at the Children's Hospital here in Denver in my 20s. And it's sort of a natural progression. I'm still on stage. I'm still performing. But now it's it's content. Now I'm speaking to business audiences about the importance of differentiating and standing out in a competitive marketplace. So those who sort of knew me as as a as a child, it's been sort of a natural transition. I've just found different content, but I always have a stage to uh, to present it from. Excellent. And you realized um, you know, after after somebody said to you that you um, you had a voice for radio, that actually um, you've also got a face for the stage as well. Thank you for that. <laughs> And it sounds like it was, it was funny. yesterday I was in in uh, in Florida uh, speaking for an organization actually that does mattress and bedding manufacturing for uh, of all things. And the woman before I went on stage, she goes, do you, are you, do you get nervous? And I said, no, I don't. She goes, you, sometimes you're in front of thousands of people. Do you ever get nervous? I said, honestly, I, I don't because for me, it's, it's going to work. It's what I do. I teach. And I asked her, I said, do you get nervous before you go to work? And she looked at me kind of funny. She's like, 
no, I'm just going to work. I said, well, it's the same for me. <laughs> and do, do you think, is that is that because you've done this for so many years? I mean, you talk, you're saying you've been in an acapella group and all sorts of things, and you trained yeah. to be an actor. So actually, same. have those nerves sort of been through practice? You know, have they kind of vanished? Yeah, I, Chris, I, Chris I, think that's, I think that's a good observation. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, I think if I was asked to do something that I, that I wasn't proficient uh, at, I, I'm sure I would have a, a bit of nerves. But I think part of it's orientation. I think some people are just wired to be extroverted. I pride myself on being very authentic and that I'm the same person off stage as I am on stage. But I think I'm a teacher at heart. I think if money wasn't an issue... I would probably go teach university and be like a, a social studies or, or a political science professor or something because I like the idea of teaching and imparting knowledge. I'd probably make my kids crazy because I, I never shut up in that capacity. But it, but it served me well. But I think a big part of it is I have done it for a long time and, and I do know this subject well. I've worked with, with thousands of, of organizational leaders and company leaders. I also spent some years as a group leader for an organization called Vistage. And Vistage is the world's largest CEO member organization. I think they now have 24,000 company leaders in, in 22 countries. And so I led that dynamic and, and having individual conversations with over 4,000 CEOs on their competitive advantage, it's given me really some phenomenal insights. I, like I feel like I get a graduate business degree every 12 months because of the privilege of working with so many organizational leaders and understanding the sort of the commonalities of their struggles to, uh, to get their, their products to the market and to, and to be heard above the noise. Excellent. So like your, your father gave us visibility of what the surface of planets look like, you give us there you uh, go. lots of visibility about marketing, which is That's exactly right. Pretty, pretty cool. So in some ways, you're kind of uh, very spuriously following in, in his footsteps. So, so tell us about visibility marketing then and what's it mean and why is it so important? You know, I, I think there's been some changes. I think there's a significant change. And for those who are listening who are in business right now, um, there's really been a dramatic shift, I think, over the last decade or two uh, into how we, I mean, certainly the tactics have shifted. We've got social media. We can talk about some of those. But <clears throat> I think there's just a, a significant shift. I, I And the shift, it, it's not from agricultural to industrial, and it's not from, from analog to digital, certainly really profound. But there's been a remarkable shift from selling to buying. And here's what I mean. Yesteryear was was the age of the salesperson, right? We really relied on salespeople to educate us about products and services. You think back to ancient times, and people would shout to get your attention to come in into their booth in the in the you know the bazaar in the town square, um, shouting at people to get their attention. Um, we we in the fifties and sixties we'd walk into a. a uh, an appliance store and some teenager would sell us and tell us all about these appliances or this new microwave oven. And the reality today is, is we walk in the stores and we know everything about them. I mean, we, we, we've done the research beforehand or we have our access to information is like no other time in history. We go and we buy things The the marketplace, Chris has become a grocery store, right? We walk down the aisles of the grocery store and nobody is there to sell us anything. We go and we buy things. You think about the big box stores and for those who have Sam's Club and Costco, there's more items and products available than any other time in human history. And in most cases, nobody sells them to us. We go and we buy them. We buy them online. We buy them in the stores. And so when we think about how we market, traditionally it was competency-based marketing. And we still see today a lot of those claims of quality and service and great people and really caring and 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 
it's it's table stakes. I mean, today it is pervasive. Everybody's good. And so when everything's available, when quality is assumed, how do we stand out? And it's a different time because we can't claim those competencies anymore. Today, more than ever, it's about competitive advantage. And so the new book I wrote, Visibility Marketing, is really with an eye towards really looking how things are different and that we have to go to a different level. Traditional marketing was somebody, you know, painting your building a bright color or a bright neon sign or hiring a high school kid to dress in a costume character and wave at cars as they drive by. And today, visibility marketing is about being visible where your customers are, right? The events that they attend, um, the devices where they're getting their information. you got to be on their phone and their computer and their events. And so it's a different mindset of really taking your message and making sure it's it's visible in the marketplace. It's actually, it's, it, you've got to be more smarter in some respects. Well, right. it, well, well, it, well, people ask the question, right? Is it working harder or smarter? And of course, the answer is yes, right? Both. Because if everybody's good, and, and I, would, I would make the assertion that everybody's good, or at least good enough. Because today, if you weren't really good at what you do, you wouldn't survive. You just wouldn't. In yesteryear, you could, you could fool some people. You could survive by being a really good choice for some. But today, the internet outs underperformers right? It's Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor. We all grew up with, in, in business, there's this, this old cliche that says basic guest relations philosophy, right? The average person with a positive experience will tell two or three people, right? And the person with a negative experience will tell 10. Chris, none of that is true anymore. None of that. Now, positive or negative, we tell thousands. We tell millions of people, it's no longer about worrying about pissing off you know, somebody and they go out and tell 10 people. Now they tell millions of people. So underperformers are outed. And so what's left is a marketplace that's populated by great companies. I mean, everybody's good. We have so many choices. There's not a company listening or a representative from a company listening to this show right now that could not disappear from the face of the earth and the marketplace would be just fine. And I'm not suggesting that that your listeners, that they're not doing great work. They are doing great work. There's just too many other people also doing great work or at least good enough work. And so with that understanding of pervasive quality, tons of choices online and otherwise, we have to change our marketing messages and our, and our methodologies. Because saying, here's what we're good or we really care, we've got great customer service, it's not enough. It's not enough anymore because other people have that as well. So the good news is that those who can dig a little bit deeper, be very creative in the um, in the the methodologies and the messages and ferreting out some great competitive advantages, um, they've got an advantage in the marketplace. So we got to stay hungry. And do you think, David? You know, I, I've heard many people talk about you know having to have you know a deep a deep niche or specialize your service around a sector. You know, and, and that being a better model versus you know a very broad we serve multiple sectors sure. type approach you know how you know where is that niche uh, important or and is it always important um it, it is not always important but it is important i know that sounds like i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here's the good news the good news is there's a lot of ways to do this right being the jack of all trades being the um the the 
the company that can can satisfy every need. That's a legitimate model. Uh, being the low price leader is a legitimate model. It doesn't mean that that's the game we all want to play. Uh, what I really pitch, and I pitch this a lot, is there is riches in niches. And sometimes presenting yourself as a specialist in the marketplace, it's a great way to compete against behemoths. If you have a large, large player in your market, being that specialist is it, it makes you a better choice. It makes you a safer choice, doesn't it, to your prospects? Because you can say, listen, these guys are, are awesome because I love complimenting my competitors, but they do this and this and this and this and this. And, but this is all we do. And if you're prospecting right and you're talking to a person who needs what you have, then they look across and they say, well, that's what I need. We say, well, I think we're a better choice. We've aligned our, our systems and processes. We've invested in infrastructure and specialization to deliver this better than anyone. If you need all of those things, the competitors are great choices, but this is what we do. So I, I think you're right that being a specialist, having a niche can be very powerful. That said, there's a lot of ways to do this right, as long as you're differentiated and you don't have to be the best choice for everyone, but if you can make yourself and make a compelling case that you're the best choice for your prime audience, you can make a very good living. Yeah, it make, make, makes a huge amount of sense because you'll always find examples where people seem to book the trade but I, I guess the trend but i guess what they do do is, as you've identified is that whether they're serving a broad range of customers or a niche with a very specialized offer is they're still able to differentiate in in some way right there's always anomalies in 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 any marketplace somebody who bucked the trend or bucked the odds and was able to make it big it doesn't mean that we emulate them because it might be an anomaly but i think there's always lessons to be learned and that's why people like me make a living. That's why college professors and people write books. If we can highlight some extraordinary situations, glean some some broad lessons that that our audiences on on radio, uh, live in books can can apply in their business, then that's just being a lifelong learner. That's being a smart business person is is to uh, is to learn those lessons. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we're going to have a commercial break now. But after the break, I really want to get into into sales. And uh, David's got some really uh, great perspectives on sales and obviously uh, marketing and some of the things that we really need to do to uh, make sure that we are visible in our marketplace. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes to join us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with David Averin. We're talking about visibility marketing. And David, I saw you for the first time speaking back in September. And you addressed a small group of initially of uh, was fellows of the speaking association. It was privileged to be in that room actually with you. And he gave us some sort of inside track before you did your big keynote. And one of the things that really stood out for me in that conversation was you were talking about your assistance role and yes. uh, you were talking about selling and the need to uh, to to be really active in that that place, and you were saying that your assistant's role is to get thirty new companies a week to have heard of David um, Averin, and I thought that was really you know really focused, clear, and smart. And so I'm just wondering from you know your perspective and learning to be really successful uh, as well as visible in a marketplace. How serious must you get about selling? You know, for most of us, we aren't celebrities. I mean, let's. There, I talk to business owners all the time who literally think they've created the cure for cancer that tastes like chocolate, and and I remind them, listen, you may be good at what you do, but doing business without promotion is like winking at somebody in the dark. You know what you're doing, but nobody else does, mm-hmm. and that's I think the challenge for so many people get into business because they're really good at what they do. Uh, maybe they're 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 smart in terms of of. Uh, technology development or they're a great chef or they're whatever that business might be. They're those who consult. But if you can't sell what you do and some people don't like the idea of selling, well, fine, call it business development. I don't really care, right? It's, but you have to get out there and promote it. And what I've come to recognize, listen, I'm good at what I do. Chris, you're good at what you do. Most of the people listening are really good at what they do. But if people don't know who I am, they can't buy what I'm selling. And so even in my world, uh, in, in the professional speaking world, there's probably a 20 to 25% attrition every year of people who are so excited. They've, they've got something burning inside of them that they want to go and teach or share, but they can't get, but the phone won't ring. I'm like, pick up the phone. What are you waiting to ring from who? Your mother will call you. Everybody else, you have to call them. And so... And you can sort of get a sense of my of my approach when I'm on stage as well. I'm not a motivational speaker. I mean, I'll tell them like it is. Now, I temper a hard message with a, a lot of humor, and it's very entertaining. But we work hard. Uh, this feeds my kids. My kids who go to university, it pays my mortgage. This is my business. And so when people call and say, listen, I got this great idea. I'd love to buy you lunch and pick your brain, which I've done hundreds of thousands of times. Now I just say, let me tell you how I work because I this is how I make my living. And so when it comes to the speaking or the consulting work, because I do a lot of consulting with organizations as well, uh, I was on my own for probably the first 10 years and I'm picking up the phone and I'm, and I'm pulling lists and I'm sending introductory emails. Uh, but when I got successful enough to hire staff, 
we put together some systems and I'm not great with systems, but I understand the importance of it. So I have a brilliant assistant, uh, my business manager, her name is Tiffany Lauer. And we're very clear on who my audience is, uh, people in business, entrepreneurs, business owners, HR and others who need to hear this message, who don't know who I am. So we've got lists of major corporations. We've got lists of associations. We, we scroll through those lists. We glean those that are appropriate and then we pitch them and we have some very well-crafted initial uh, emails and letters and we do creative brochures and I send signed books and it's all about introducing people to me who wouldn't know me otherwise. And so when you think about those leading and lagging indicators, how many, or you think about the funnel, think about that first perspective, maybe a little bit better. How many pitches do you need to go in the top of that funnel to turn into how many responses, to turn into how many actual conversations that translate into ultimate bookings of consulting business or speaking business or whatever the business your your listeners are, are in. And so we'll compare that from month, of, after, from month over month. And this isn't about structure for the sake of structure. It's not busy work. It's, it's marketing and it's promotion. And it's, and it's key to me paying my bills and supporting my family and, uh, and it works. And we teach other speakers how we do what we do. I'm a big believer in let's not slice up the pie anymore. Let's just build a bigger pie for everyone. Yeah. Makes a huge amount of success. I had a, uh, a I've forgotten his name now, but I had a, a guest on the show um, maybe three years ago now. And he'd uh, set up a very successful consultancy. And he was quite young. And I said, how did you manage to do that? How did you get it moving just so fast? Because he, he was doing really well even after his first sort of six months. And he said, well... I wrote a list out. I knew 230 people, including my mum and dad, and I rang every one of them within the first month. Yeah. It's, pretty- it, it's, it's so distasteful for some, and it may be uncomfortable, but listen, there are people out there in your industry, whatever you're, you're in, those who are listening, who are really good at this, who are really hungry. And um, I can say it a little more harsh. Here's the reality. There are competitors of yours who are trying to steal your money. They're trying to take away your ability to pay your mortgage and feed your children and pay for university and buy clothing. And I will tell you, it's not personal. They're just trying to feed their family and pay their mortgage and clothe their children and send them to university. Somebody's going to win. In sales, there is no prize for second place. You get the gig or you don't. You make the sale or you don't. In sales, second place is the first loser. I used yeah. to say I used to say first place eats, second place doesn't. Now I, I, I revise it. Now I say first place eats, second place watches them eat. <laughs> and so you think about somebody who gets a great client. And this isn't about being cutthroat. It's about being being a, a great ambassador and advocate for your business. And so listen, people are out there marketing and they're and they're doing ads or they're doing special events or grand openings or things like that. Part of, I think, what my success has been, um, I think I can, uh, I can ascribe to, is, is the fact that I really push altering the approach and altering the message. If we say what everybody else is saying, then our customers and our prospects don't know the difference. If we talk about our great customer service and our quality and our commitment and our trust and our caring, and our competitors promote the same thing, mm-hmm. then our prospects don't know the difference. They're assuming everybody's good. And I, I talk about when I, and it's in my books and I, when I speak, I always talk about the four most dangerous words in business. And those words are all things being equal. In the prospect's mind, if everybody, if they think that you're all essentially the same and you're all really good, 
then it's about price. It's just about price. And as a prospect, I am hammering you on price. And if it is all about price and your prospect believes that you're essentially the same, that's your fault. That's your fault because you have the opportunity to effectively differentiate. And um, that's where companies fall short. But honestly, that's where the opportunity is. That's the part that gets me excited. So when I'm brought into a company to, to, to consult for a day or lead a strategic session with their executive team, it's all about ferreting out um, and communicating competitive advantages. And then in some cases, and listen, for those who are listening right now, if we do a deep dive and step back and examine our business, honestly, for some of you, you are commodity. You are doing what they're doing. If you have a tire store, you're selling tires. Other people sell tires. Um, you are commodity. And in those cases, then what's really fun is finding ways to create competitive advantages, things that that somebody wouldn't have thought of. Or is there a longstanding complaint about your industry that is, it's sort of people chalk up to it's just the cost of doing business? Well, maybe it isn't. Is there a way to address something that that doesn't have to be accepted? If you can, if you can do it effectively, if you can do it cost effectively, then you've just created a competitive advantage. And now you have something really great to communicate. So, so, so that example, I know you talk about sure. share, don't sell. Um, we've obviously used the words, uh, word selling in, in our last few minutes of conversation right. um, quite a bit. So where's that balance there between um, just sharing information, like that example of the tire store, maybe sharing a different um, approach that they have, which overcomes an issue right. versus selling? Where's, where's the line? Well, I, I don't know. The, the, I think there's a harder line when it comes to social media. Um, there, there's an absolute line. Don't don't treat social media like traditional marketing. And we can go back and talk to that. I think, but for traditional marketers, nobody really wants to. We've heard sales trainers say this line. It's become a little bit trite. Don't nobody wants to be sold. They want to be helped to buy. Well, there's some truth in that, but it's not even that. They just they just want availability. They want information when they want it and how they want it. Um, there's this disturbing trend, and I think, Chris, you'll recognize this. You ever go to somebody's website, and you cannot find their phone number to save your life? I mean, you are just looking yeah. everywhere, but they'll direct you to this contact form that they want you. Are you kidding me? Yep. You, they, they're, they're trying to steer you to contact them the way they want you to? Yes. It, so somebody may want to contact your business by phone, but you don't want them to do that. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? The barriers that we put up to people finding information, we direct people to self-scanners that, that don't work at the, at the supermarkets. Um, it's impossible. You're on the phone with somebody going, customer service, customer service, do this, press for customer service. If you're calling from sorry, customers, companies are insane. They think they're actually saving money. The bean counters are driving these decisions. Not that they shouldn't be involved. We all have to be smart in terms of dollars. I get that. But marketing needs to be in the room when those decisions are made. Because if you're if you are pissing off so many of your prospects because you've saved money because you don't have enough customer service reps or you, have, you want to do it on a voicemail, what you don't know about and nobody knows about is every customer that leaves without buying. They drive by and they don't stop. They hang up before they find what they're looking for. They click away because they couldn't find it right, right away. The number one source of lost business and revenue is customers who show up, turn around, and don't buy. And most companies have no idea who they are, how many there are. And 
when we push too hard, we're selling. When we make ourselves not available, then people quickly go to alternatives. So when you look at this difference between selling and sharing, you know, we're, we've got a little bit spoiled. We want people there when we want them, right? We don't want to be bothered at the store, but when we want somebody, we want to be able to find them. Okay, we can lament that. We can complain about these darn millennials, but the reality is it's everybody. We've become impatient. We've become demanding. If we can't get what we want exactly when we want it, we move on. Okay, we, we, like I said, once again, I mean, you can sit and wring your hands about it, or you can say that's how people buy. They want what they want. They want it when they want it. And they want easy access. So getting back to your comment about uh, selling versus sharing, I think it applies more, uh, more so to social media. People who treat social media like traditional marketing are, are missing the point. When you try to sell people over social media, you just teach them to click away. Um, business is like high school. We do business with, when we have the choice, we do business with people we like and people we trust and people we know. And social media is a great way to humanize who we are. When I, I've got, I'm pretty much maxed out on my Facebook, my regular page, about 5,000. And when I post something about my business, there's crickets. Nobody cares. I would love them, Chris. I would love them to care about my miss. They don't. But when I post something about my kids or yep. crazy adventures while traveling, it lights up. Right. The, the, the most important thing that I say, it's in my book, it's when I say on stage. And for those who are listening right now, if you're going to write down anything from this call, this is it. And it sounds simple, but it's actually very profound. If you want people to be interested, you have to be interesting. That's it. And, and it sounds almost um, flippant, but it's not about having a blog. It's not about being on social media. It's about being interesting on your blog and interesting on social media. And if you want people to turn their heads towards you, then give them a reason to turn their heads. Easier said than done, but I think it's important stuff. And do you think, I I love uh, saying my keynote about engaging leaders, but sometimes what people do is they try to be interesting, but they don't, don't, they're not interested. Do you think there's a, with something like social media and with a website and that sort of thing, that you need to come across as interesting, but then maybe when you meet the customer or the potential customer, it's all it's, it's about them then? Chris, I think it's a great observation. I think there's a great observation there. Um, you know, people will joke uh, about the, the speaking business because, you know, if you ever go to a big national speaker convention, especially in America, it's massive, right? It's like a conference with 2,000 extroverts. And... Um, as my former wife used to say, her impression of professional speakers was to say, so anyway, enough about enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? Right? And so I think if you get to that point where all you are is talking about yourself and aren't interested in others, then you're right. It doesn't make you very interesting, does it? That's the great thing about social media and how it differentiates from traditional marketing. Traditional marketing is is what we call push marketing, right? So we have an idea, we push it out. We have a brochure, we send it out. We have a press release, we send it out. An ad, we go and buy the space. Social media is different. It's a conversation. And so it's the first time we have an an interactive medium. So we can ask questions, we can pose things, we can say, help us name our new polar bear at the zoo, right? Or here's the new, um, my new three ideas for my new book cover. Which one do you want? Or some of the famous ad campaigns. They would have people submit their own ideas. People love to be a part of it. Uh, And then it shows that we're interested in them. We're interested in their comments. 
what they have to say. So I, I think it's I think it's a it's a great point. I think we 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 can't be overly self promotional, but I think it's I think if you have something great to talk about, talk about it. Yeah, and and, and is it important to to make it something great to talk about? You know, there is also this with with social media. Sometimes it can seem a bit um, superficial. Um, <laughs> you you, you think. Everybody- Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to. Or, or certain people, you know, they're continuously putting um, pictures out about, you know, I'm having a great life. I'm having a great time. I'm here. I'm skiing. I'm with the kids, and the kids have told me they love me today. And it's Valentine's Day, and I've had all of these gifts. And, uh, and actually, what it what it does actually is it creates a a false picture, which actually is um, starts to suggest that the person might actually be suffering with a little bit of insecurity deep down. Yeah, and it's also damaging, I think, to our kids in that they, and we don't need to go too much on a social rant, but um, they look and say, if everybody has such a perfect life, why isn't mine? And it isn't. And I think we see through a lot of some of that crap, you know, but uh, but even goes to another level of, of mundane, right? We don't need to see another picture of the meal that you're eating. And so there is so much, you know, but it's it's this interesting dichotomy in that we have so many opportunities now to to share our message and who we are and our images and our videos. But conversely, there's also a lot of noise. And so it is a double-edged sword, isn't it? That there's so, we've never had more opportunities in history to showcase who we are, but there's also never been so many, um, uh, so much competition for the eyes and ears of our prospects. But For me, I, I focus on on the good part of it, which is we've got, you know, we used to have, you know, maybe three TV stations and four magazines that we're trying really hard to pitch to. We don't need them anymore. I mean, we'd like them. We can create our own channels. We create our own magazines and our own YouTube channels. Um, they did a survey of, of, of millennials and their top 10 celebrities that they admire. Six of the top 10 were YouTube stars. Mm. Six. The first six of the top 10 we're all YouTube stars yeah. and not, not the movie stars we see on TV. So the, the world is changing and smart companies aren't wringing their hands, but they are, they're embracing it and they're finding ways to play in that sandbox as well. I guess we've got a minute to go to commercial break. It's, it's, it's about you know, maybe with a, a customer who maybe contacts you for the first time that maybe have heard, heard of you from a number of different places um, I just got a very nice um, email about speaking at a an event in June, and it came from a it was a combination of a, a very very large expansive clients I've done some work with, but a referral. It came from him saying he liked my website and uh, hearing something. It was a a combination of factors that meant he contacted me. And I yeah, think not because well, if you want if you want people to find you, you have to be findable. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get a commercial break now. After the break, we shall move into a bit more about crafting messages um, around your marketing and marketing approach. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with David Averin. Uh, if you've got any comments or thoughts about the interviews you're going through, um, do um, feel free to contact us on social media. Um, my contact's at Christy Cooper. How about, how about yours, David? Mine is at David Averin. So everywhere online, you can search me at David Averin or at David Averin or hashtag David Averin. That's, I think, but it's another important lesson, I think, is that, once again, as, as I said before the break, if you want people to find you, you have to be findable. And so I think it's really important to own your name in every possible way. I own davidaverin.com. I own averin.com. You know, my main website is, is visibilityinternational.com, which is my business. But anybody who might try to find me, um, I have misspellings of my name um, that I own online and direct those to my site. So mm. once again, and that's, that's the, it, we grew up in a time when people would do creative spellings, you know, for quick copy. And it would be like K-W-I-K because it looked cool on a sign. But it's a different world now. Now we have to find people online. And so weird spellings uh, actually hamper your ability to find. So it, there's so many shifts that have occurred. And, uh, and if you become a student of these shifts and and listen to to some of the prognosticators and read the books. There's some really great competitive advantages that you can create out there today. Really, really a good point. I had a slight challenge myself with ChrisCooper.com. It's um, it's a rather famous Hollywood actor. Yeah. Well, and and how many ways could you spell Chris? I mean, you make an assumption as well. Is it is it K R I? Is it C H R? I mean, mm-hmm. we know what it is, but um, yeah, it's interesting for uh, for those as well. Mm, yeah. Um, so let's talk about crafting messages. Sure. Uh, you, you know, you've got some perspectives and views on, on how to do that in a way that really is impactful and stands out and differentiates. So you know, what's, your, what's your thoughts about that? You know, I think it always starts um, that you have to understand what's sort of pervasive in the marketplace. What's the standard if you are going to look to to differentiate? The problem is we tend to get a little bit myopic. We, we put the blinders on and we look at our business and we step back and we say, what makes us great? And we craft marketing messages around that. Or worse yet, we ask our customers, what do you love about us? And it's a, it's a terrible strategy because the reason that they stay with you is often very different than the reason they came to you mm. in the first place, mm. right? They, people, the ad agencies will do this and then we'll, we'll get back to sort of crafting messages, but there's, um, I, I just wrote about this in, in my last book cause it made me crazy. It, there's, 
there's this technique that advertising and marketing agencies do, and I think it's I think it's just the worst possible. And they charge people a lot of money. Is they walk into a business, and the first thing they say is, "We need to to survey your customers and find out what they like about you." And so there was an example of a a, a financial firm, a, a public accounting firm, and they went in there and they talked to people, and they they have some great loyal customers, and that's who they hooked them up with. Or they said, "We love them. They're they're irreverent and they're dynamic and they're fun." And that's what we really. So they said, "That's what makes you great." And so they actually promoted this. They put it on their website, um, um, exciting, dynamic, and fun or something, something along those lines. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a company with some regulatory issues or some compliance issues, I'm not looking for somebody who's fun and, and exciting. I want somebody who is wildly competent and has specific expertise in, in, my, in my realm. And the reality is they came to them because they had a need. They stayed with them because they had a relationship. And so we have to be very careful in how we produce our marketing messages. And so to get back, I think it's important on the front end that we understand what our competitors are doing. And there's a great exercise that I would encourage your listeners to do. Take all of your promotional materials, everything you have written about yourself, your sales sheets and your brochures and your catalogs and your advertisements, your website pages, print everything off, spread it out on a giant conference room table. And then take all of the promotional materials for your top two or three competitors now, whether you do the exact same thing, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if, the, if you find yourself up against them, if other people may choose them, then it's a competitor. Secret shop them. Get all of their ads, their brochures, their everything. Spread it out and mix it up with yours. And then get your team together. Or if you're by yourself, just grab a couple of highlighters and walk around and start highlighting key phrases. Our people make the difference. 250 years of combined experience. For us, our customers come first. All the stuff that every, we really listen, you know, stuff that everybody says. You will be, honestly, Chris, people will be stunned. They'll be stunned at how similar, if not identical, their claims are to theirs. And the reality is most of the, what we say about ourselves is true. But just because it's true doesn't mean it's compelling. And just because it's accurate doesn't mean that it's, it's persuasive right? Look at them side by side. Literally, you will think that they plagiarized you because they're saying the same things. And once again, as a prospect, if I don't know the difference, uh, it's just about price or proximity, right? Whoever's the cheapest, whoever's the closest. And so now I'll get pushback on this sometimes. I'll work with clients and say, I'm not creating my marketing materials or my messages based on what my competitors say. And I say, you have to, you have to, because your prospects are hearing from everyone. And you have to know what they're saying so you can say something different. So I think before we start looking at some of those promotional messages and the marketing messages, we have to be clear on what everybody else is saying. Now, granted, there's a certain amount of content that we have to deliver to establish our credentials. Here's what we do. Here's what we offer. I get that. But what we lead with, the thing that's saying, listen, we're, there's no shortage of companies that do blank. We're the only company that offers X or we pioneered this technology that allows for X or Y, or perhaps you saw our, 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 our lead story in something magazine, right? Or, I mean, the things that make people go, that's very interesting. I'd be open mm-hmm. to talking to them, right? I'd be, I would be open to talk because we got to understand what our marketing messages are for. Just as if a, um, like a resume doesn't get you a job. A resume has one job, right? The resume gets you an interview, somebody who's looking for a job. Um, it's just about getting you an audience. And I think for most of us, it's, it's, it's the same. I would, I would venture for your listeners, for the business elevation shows that, that, that you can close most 
deals, maybe the lion's share of opportunities for people you can get in front of. If you can get an audience with a prospect, have a chance to sit down with them on the phone, in person, over coffee, and make your pitch, we're going to convert the lion's share of those prospects, right? Well, if that's your leading indicator, if that's your behavior that's predictive of success, getting them to agree to meet, then ask yourself a question from a business, um, from a marketing message development perspective. Ask the question, what do they need to hear from me to agree to do the one thing I want them to do, which is agree to meet? So if you look at creating marketing messages from that perspective, what do they need to hear from me to say, that's interesting, I'll take the meeting, or I've never, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, I am free for coffee. Then it's not just talking about our great customer service and our great quality. We're saying something that so resonates with them that they say, that's fascinating. Listen, there's this technology has been around for 100 years. Most of our, com- our competitors still work that way. We've developed a new process that allows for a 50% reduction in time to do X or Y. We'd love to show it to you. That's something worth hearing about. Or listen, we've got this new technology. It was just named number one technology of the year by this magazine. It's going to save you 50% on your cost for whatever. You can gain a competitive advantage over your competitors. Yeah, they're willing to talk about that. Does that make sense? You know, it makes, a, it makes an enormous amount of sense. And you know, actually, it, it's quite obvious, but I've never actually heard anyone say it before. When you, when you hear it, when you think about it, it makes a huge amount of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, but, but it's people, but, but you understand how they're, how they're going about it. You understand why. We look at yeah. what we're great at. How do we communicate that? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying there are much more effective ways to create those messages. And, you, and you're not talking to your audience in a vacuum. They're not deciding whether, even for you, Chris, as a speaker or as a consultant, people aren't saying, hmm, we have this great convention coming up. Um, should we hire Chris Cooper? No, they're saying, we got three keynote slots and 22 breakout sessions. What are our goals for the meeting? Who, what are all our options in the marketplace? You know you're one of many. So when you promote, you have to do it within the context of a competitive environment. You have to know what others are saying so you can say it better. So you can be more compelling. So you can be differentiated. And, uh, and maybe in some cases, you can be dismissive of others who are saying the same thing because you're saying something better. I, I think it just, it's so much more effective. Oh, I'm feeling a desire to go and rewrite my website. <laughs> if this spurs you and others to at least go back and re-examine where you're kind of falling into some of those traps it's it's be careful of claiming your competency or at least be careful of leading with your competencies lead with competitive advantages and if you don't if you can't figure those out by doing a deep dive then gather your team together and create competitive advantages where they don't exist can we do something faster than others can we um, can can we offer better? Uh, can we offer a, a, a better warranty? You know, in, in many industries right now, if there's a standard one year or two year warranty, and I ask company leaders all the time, I said, how many people convert on that warranty? And they're like, very few. I said, then let me ask you this: What would it cost you to double it? Oh, I, I some right. Listen, we're so confident in the quality of what we're delivering. We we offer twice the warranty of all of our competitors. Do you think that gives you a competitive advantage? Of course it does, right? That's the kind of creativity um, where we sit down with our teams and say, what can we offer that nobody else is? And of course, you have to make sure it makes sense financially. Um, 
I'll help sometimes, uh, I will help judge college and high school marketing competitions. And, and you know, the teams will come in and they have 15 minutes to prepare something. They say, first thing we're going to do is we're going to do a 50% off sale. And you just want to laugh because they don't understand business. Yes, it will get traffic in the door, but it's not going to drive traffic. I mean, it's not going to make you profitable. Um, makes a makes enormous amount of sense. Um, if people were to, you know, review their visibility marketing tomorrow, is that, is that the first place they should start then by taking all their competition and taking their own content, putting on a conference room and then um, looking at other things that people should look at as well? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think it's the best place to start. I, I think, honestly, the best place to start is to make sure that everything you're doing, you're doing well. You know, yes. at the end of the day, this isn't clever marketing to mask deficiencies in your operation. Um, fix anything that's not working because that will derail a company uh, or a product or a message faster than anything in the world. So once you know that everything is working well, understand your your customer experiences. Are they experiencing great things on every level? You, you hate to spend a lot of money on marketing, get people in the door, and then they don't like what they found. So that's probably the first pre thing to do is make sure you're fixing all your, your, your problems. But I think you're right. I think then it's come to sit down and say, let's look at the competitive marketplace. Let's look what other choices our prospects have. Um, and be honest with yourself. I ask, I ask clients, list your top three competitors and tell me everything that makes them great. And they're taken aback. Like they want to say, here's why we're better. Say, no, 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 no. I said, do you know why people, do you know why people do business with your competitors? Because they want to. Because they like them, because they're good people and they're working hard. And if you think that they're just fooling your prospects and that they're going to figure it out and come to you eventually, you're fooling yourself. People are good. People work hard. There's great products. So really look at your competitors, be clear on what they do well, and then find out, can we compete and win on those levels or do we have to win somewhere else? And so I think it's always the best place is to really look at your competitive marketplace, be honest with yourself, um, maybe bring in somebody from the outside who can help shine a mirror to your face about what's happening, and, um, and, and then start doing the hard work of being really, really creative and finding ways to differentiate, communicate that differentiation, and, uh, and promote the heck out of it. David, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today um i always uh, tell sometimes the you know, quality of an interview and the value of the content by how many pages of notes i write and i've been scribbling away um as you've been talking lots of great inspiration thoughts ideas to really visibly stand out and uh, and uh, identify competitive advantages versus uh, others in the marketplace um i think that was hugely valued conversation for people and uh, you know if you've listened to this and you also think it's valuable do share it and share it out widely because um, you know this could be helping your your friends um, or the business owners to actually thrive uh, rather than just um, survive or fail so uh, thank you so much David for being on the show today thank you very much I appreciate it that that for me is is the best value of knowing that people will have some of those light bulb over the head moments some epiphanies and go back and have some good hard conversations with their with their team as well and if people want to learn more about me look me yeah. up at visibilityinternational.com and um and i'm thrilled to be a part of the the show and and hopefully we'll run into each other in the uk one of these days as well excellent yeah visibilityinternational.com and uh latest book visibility marketing which uh, i'm sure is available at all good bookstores and online yeah, audio audiobook and kindle and everything else as well 
everything but brilliant thank you very much david uh, on next week's show we have craig goldblatt um craig has been on the show before hugely inspiring individual um he's a he's a global speaker as well um, a consultant but he's done things like he set up a school in burkina faso he's done all sorts of projects in africa and places like that we're gonna have a very you know uh, inspirational show um that should inspire you next week and really help you to think about you know life generally what's important as well as business so do join us again next week a uh, big thank you again to david Averin, and i wish you all well and if you've got any comments and thoughts and do uh, get in touch uh, you can get in touch by you know, twitter christy cooper you can get, get in touch by email me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk love to hear from you thank you we thank you for listening to the business elevation show please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel be more achieve more